1: To download the reading plan for Confessions, visit ascensionpress.com slash catholicclassics or text CONFESSIONS to 33777. Click follow or subscribe in your podcast app for daily notifications. Today we will be beginning book three of the Ascension edition of Confessions. This bonus episode is an introduction to the reflections that you'll hear for the next few days.
0: We also wanted to take this opportunity to thank everyone who has helped support this podcast financially. Your support is so appreciated, and it helps us to reach as many people as possible. And if you haven't already, please consider supporting us at ascensionpress.com support.
1: All right, let's get started with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Breathe in me, O Holy Spirit, that my thoughts may all be holy. Act in me, O Holy Spirit, that my work too may be holy. Draw my heart, O Holy Spirit, that I love but what is holy. Strengthen me, O Holy Spirit, to defend all that is holy. Guard me then, O Holy Spirit, that I always may be holy. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Here we are, Book Three. Father Gregory, how are, are you feeling alright going into book three here? He's holding on, gonna survive?
0: Yeah, I mean we'd better be feeling alright because we've got a few more books before yeah. us.
1: <laughs> Well, that's great. I'm feeling good too. I just wanted to make sure you're with me, you know? No man left behind. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. All right. So here we are, book three. We We've can check off books one and two, and we're cruising along. It's great. And we're cruising along with St. Augustine and his life. So book three, let's set the stage a little bit, and then we could talk about some of the, the themes, the discussion that we'll have coming in the next few episodes in the next few days. So here in book three, we cover a couple years or a few years of St. Augustine's life, sort of his late or later teenage years. So it's when he's 16 to 18 years old. And his first years in Carthage, um, going to the big apple that is Carthage, um, his life and study there, where he begins um, or continues to his studies in rhetoric and oratory and begins to read Cicero. And yeah, that kind of sets us up a little bit. Any, as far as like historical setting stuff, anything else to Father Gregory, you want to comment on, lead us into expand our horizons with? <laughs> I mean, we'll talk in future episodes in the episodes
0: dedicated to this book about the particulars of his encounter with wisdom. But I think it is important that wisdom is at the heart of this book and that his inquiry or that his pursuit of wisdom really animates him or motivates him. And lest we think that, you know, at this stage of the game, St. Augustine is a perfect pagan, he admits at the outset that. He really wanted to see you know, Christ or to find Christ in his pursuit of wisdom. So we'll talk about, you know, there's like the kind of philosophical sense of wisdom, and then there's the theological sense of wisdom. There's the mystical sense of wisdom. At the height of that is the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is himself wisdom. But it's like in reading the Hortensius of, of Cicero, he wants wisdom. And specifically, he wants to find Christ in that wisdom. And then it's, you know, the lies of the Manichees, which speak of a wisdom that resonates more with him, which initially, you know, kind of leads him to join their ranks and leads him away from the true faith. So this idea that he himself is a true philosopher, a true lover of wisdom, is very central to the movement of this book.
1: Yeah, and that that theme of wisdom as you were saying father gregory is not the connection but the the end of understanding true wisdom who is christ who is wisdom personified you know who is truth himself that shouldn't be lost on us at this point because as saint augustine begins to reflect on his attraction to and engagement with wisdom his desire for it um, i'm sure in his mind too he has this end the fullness of wisdom in mind so as father gregory was describing and we'll talk about in just a few minutes as he ventures on his path from reading Cicero, entering the Manichaean sect, and that's in this book, and then in books to come and years to come, converting finally to Christianity um, and to Catholicism, there's this sort of a, what, we can we can begin to follow the path that wisdom guides St. Augustine on, that he, that takes St. Augustine towards Christ. So as we're reading these chapters together, and as St. Augustine begins to talk about his desire for and engagement with wisdom, keep that in mind, that it's not just study, it's not just knowledge, but his references here are to Wisdom, capital W, in the sense of of Christ ultimately. So he gets there eventually, not yet in book three, but it's good to keep here at, I guess, before us. I guess maybe we should say a word too, because St. Augustine reflects on it himself, The the sort of what engagement with like wisdom lowercase W how it is that you know the lesser goods of wisdom you know whether that's just study for the sake of study or knowing things for the sake of knowing or is there a bigger picture like what maybe we should say a a bit about that because Augustine seems to get lost in the weeds a bit in his own life
0: yeah I think you know in this particular book we find Saint Augustine trying to come up with or trying to discover an explanation of everything which I think is a very human pursuit. I don't know that many of us are satisfied with just knowing this or just knowing that. We want to know all of it. And we also want to know how all of it relates or how all of it interacts. And that's going to involve us in making judgments as to what's more and less important or what's like more in the way of principles and what's more in the way of conclusions. And you see him, you know. so reading Cicero's Hortensius is big and it's inspiring and it's motivating. And then he talks about his reading of sacred scripture And obviously, sacred scripture within the Christian setting, it claims to be a kind of governing wisdom. You know, we'll talk about scripture in Dei Verbum as the soul of sacred theology. Uh, We'll talk about it as something like unto the very flesh of God, you know, to extend the analogy of our Lord's sacred humanity. And yet he finds it to be a kind of rude wisdom. And the Manichees who are in conversation with him are going to kind of prey upon this uncertainty or prey upon um, this kind of ambiguity in his mind. And so it's clear that that he doesn't yet have the order well enough established to navigate the conversations about the difficulties that arise in his reading of wisdom and wisdoms. And so you'll hear it said in the ancient tradition, you know, among Socrates and Plato and Aristotle and their ilk, um, that it pertains to the wise man to order, right? It pertains to the wise man to order. And I think we have experience of that, of wise people in our lives, that they're able to shed some light on our experience precisely because they can put things in place. It's like, oh, perhaps this is appealing because of this. Oh, or perhaps this is related to this. Oh, if you want to address this problem, you might start with this. And we find that super helpful. But at this stage, St. Augustine, in part because he's so stirred up at the level of his emotions, and in part because he's on the way and not yet at the end, um, he finds it very difficult to do that. So he has some noble aspirations. He has some very intense desires, but he hasn't yet encountered wisdom in its orderly state And so that's going to make it hard for him to sort out among the different proposals that are currently on offer in the ancient world.
1: Yeah, I think that last bit that you were just mentioning about the, the wise man orders, the wise man makes sense or makes intelligible we can think here too, of like the role of the virtues and the gifts of the Holy Spirit that that guide our, our minds and our intellects to understand the world from various perspectives, including the divine, such that we can understand and make things ordered or intelligible or kind of read things well. So, it, and as you were saying that, it made me kind of wonder, and at this point, you know, we know Augustine's smart. We know that he's learned, but is he wise is the question. And I could guess St. Augustine's answer, so maybe I'll pretend to be St. Augustine rather than just accusing St. Augustine of being unwise, but I would imagine at this point in his life, he he too would recognize, as he's writing the confessions, reflecting back that, yeah, he's smart, he's learned, he's a good orator, but wisdom is lacking here in the way by which he orders or doesn't order his life so yeah it's interesting to see how this begins to distill and take shape and take form also so we we've mentioned a bit but let's let's spend a couple minutes on it that it's at this point in saint augustine's life that he begins to read the scriptures and not in a sort of constant way or he reads but then puts them down um We know that, as you might remember from going over things in Book 1, that St. Augustine was catechized a bit as a young boy. St. Monica, of course, is a Catholic, and there was that sort of passing opportunity or chance when he might have been baptized when he was sick, but wasn't because he recovered. But here he picks up the Scriptures again as he's sort of reading Cicero, and there's a comparison. Um, He makes a comparison between sort of the eloquence and the facility of the language that Cicero uses versus the sort of the crude or elementary nature in which the the scriptures are written, the very basic nature in which the scriptures are written, and for him that's a big turnoff because the scriptures, you know, I, I guess to sort of summarize, if the scriptures are supposed to report the most important things and you know be the revelation of God, but they're written so crudely and basically. And in Augustine's mind at this point, is that those don't match up. So there's a bit of incredulity in his reading, a sort of like, well, can this really be? Which leads him, yeah, to put it down as Father Gregory was mentioning, um, the sort of manipulation of the Manichees is attractive, because it begins to make sense of some of the the sort of lackings of the scriptures. So maybe let's let's say a bit about Augustine's encounter with the scriptures here, and then we could set up the scene with the the Manichees and just give a little a little background there, so that we're familiar as we continue to turn the pages.
0: Yeah, I think um, initially Saint Augustine is like you said he's turned off by the sacred scriptures because they lack the refinement of other comparable, you know, ancient or for him, you know, contemporary texts. And he's going to mature in his understanding, specifically when he hears the preaching of St. Ambrose, and we'll make reference to that uh, in coming books, as he comes to appreciate that the literal sense is a little more fine-grained and textured, and that the spiritual senses, which take their point of departure from the literal sense, are very profound, in fact, and that the sacred scriptures have a capacity to accommodate, you know, even the most simple of persons, and even the most, you know, kind of uh, grand of persons, or even the most wise of persons. So it's deep water, and you cannot sound the depths of that deep water and hit bottom because, I mean, because it's informed by or infused with the very wisdom of God, which wisdom, uh, you know, we're never going to exhaust. But at this stage, the language is an initial obstacle. And also, he's going to make reference to the pedagogical nature of the text. So he's going to like read the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's going to seem like God's different, or it's going to seem like God changes or changes his mind. And he'll give us reasons for our kind of Catholic understanding. In, in hindsight, but at the time it's an obstacle for him. And so these, these various analogies or illusions that he's gonna use in these passages might seem a little bit complicated, but the basic idea is that you, know, you can provide for change without yourself changing, right? Or you can provide for differentiation in your interaction with different people without yourself being in constant. So you might, you know, like be a mother with four kids and one might respond better to a kind of um, stern word, whereas the other needs a kind of bottomless compassion in order to be moved along towards the good, towards a kind of maturation. And just because you deal differently with your two kids doesn't mean that you yourself are schizophrenic or of two minds. And so he's, he's trying to struggle with the sacred page. At this stage, he doesn't yet have a deep deep sympathy with it and so he's going to tend to dismiss it but i think it's also an occasion for us to reflect on our own engagement with sacred scripture like what is it that turns us off from persevering in a practice of lectio divina and how you know with the lights of saint augustine can we be more faithful to the sacred page uh, and can we be more transformed as a result
1: great Let's say a few words in the minutes that we have left about the manichees. We'll talk more about them as we get into the particular chapters and the episodes. But um, the Manichees are a sort of gnostic, sect of they're not christians but they kind of use christianity and the scriptures as a basis for their beliefs um some important points about them they they sort of arose in the third century so mani or mani is is the founder of the sect hence the name maniches or manichaeans and uh some of their ideas and stuff kind of floated over from dualist ideas from the East and came, you know, more West and took form here. I mentioned that word dualist. So the Manichees are dualists in the sense that they, they believe in a sort of, in two kind of worlds, we can think of this, the the, the created physical world that is evil and um, a sort of spiritual world that is good, and these two worlds are at odds. So you have these dual realities at odds. And the Manichees, um, they take, as I mentioned, some of the scriptural teachings, especially with the, the patriarchs in the Old Testament, and sort of understand or make Make their teachings or base their teachings off of some of these things uh, that are Christian and orthodox, but then change them to fit the sort of dualist idea and notion of, of creation. Um, they do so in ways that obviously are attractive because they were quite popular. and uh, They drew in Augustine, who, as we've just said, is intelligent and, and smart, maybe not wise, but um, draws him in. And Augustine ends up being a for for about almost a decade, nine years um, before he converts. So that's just super brief. I don't know, Father Gregory, if you want to tease out some more details details perhaps about who they are and, and what they're doing
0: yeah i think there's there's a kind of um attraction that the manichae sect holds out to saint augustine and his contemporaries because again it provides an explanation of everything which seems at first to be neat but then when you drill down as we will hear you know saint augustine is going to engage with one of their leading lights faustus in uh, in a future book uh, when you drill down you find that it's empty so they prey upon this. Um, you know, like the credulity of the believer who uh, realizes that there need be a place for authority claims in his faith, because not everything that is is subject to proof by reason. That is to say, reason unaided by faith. And so they're going to say, all right, we're just going to we're just going to set down some basic teachings. But when you drill down on those basic teachings, they're just they're just crazy. Now, Saint Irenaeus of Lyon comes before the Manichees, but his book against heresies is a great early treatment of other Gnostic beliefs and he can be very, you know, derisive or mocking in his treatment of them. For precisely this reason, because the type of stuff that they set down as basic or evident is oftentimes very strange and even farcical. And so, Augustine, you know, he's intelligent, he's smart, he's looking for a theory of everything. He thinks he finds it in the Manichaeans, but when he drills down on whether it's the kind of dualistic teaching or some of these Gnostic rites, like their sacramental system, which he'll talk about a little bit in these pages, or, you know, the treating of sacred scripture, their kind of voluntary exclusion of certain texts on the basis of their already preconceived notions, dot, 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 all these things is going to factor into his ongoing evaluation and eventual dismissal of Manichaeanism.
1: Great. There you have it. We'll get into more of those particulars, some of the things that I mentioned, some of the things that Father Gregory mentioned when we encounter them in the in the upcoming chapters. So we'll have a more opportunity to talk about the importance and the influence that the Manichees had. I guess we'll leave you with this one thought. As St. Augustine reads the scriptures and finds them to be simple or crude or elementary, um, Father Gregory made mention of this too, but I think it's worth our reflection on the sort of the reality of the simplicity and accessibility of the christian vocation of christ's call to each of us and we see this at work in augustine throughout the confessions but it shouldn't be lost in us as you know that when he encounters the scriptures it's it's sort of there for the taking our pursuit of holiness so in your own lives you know reflect on that look at the ways that our lord is is drawing you to him and and how he's working in your lives just as he is and continued and will continue to work in augustine's life so we're excited to get into this third book to keep rolling through this season of Catholic Classics with you all. So stay tuned, keep up the reading, keep up the listening. We're doing the same with you. So Nova our prayers for you. Please pray for us and we'll catch you next time on Catholic Classics.